Good morning, everyone. It's really great to see you this morning. My name is Craig, and it's a real joy for me to serve as one of the elders here at Riverside Community Church and to see you all this morning. We are really enjoying a great time of things at the moment. It's a wonderful time of the year. Uh, some of you are getting really excited because you have just finished uh, your undergrad degree. Some of you have just finished uh, your honors degree. Your exams are uh, kind of just uh, finishing just around the corner. Some of you have uh, paid for your December holidays. Some of you have confirmed that family that you haven't seen are coming around for a while. Uh, and uh, there's just so much that we are celebrating as a country. We've been talking about this the last few weeks. We're still reeling from the fact that we won the Rugby World Cup. Uh, the adverts are still playing. The highlights are still playing. Uh, hands up if you have watched highlights of the final uh, this past seven days. All right, there are a lot of hands going up. We're still enjoying uh, what's kind of going on. We're still enjoying how South Africa is getting such a global profile at the moment with our musicians um, that are trending and making waves on a global scene. Uh, there's just a lot happening that we are celebrating. But what's even so exciting is what happened uh, even last week in our midst here on Sunday. That we're celebrating things at a global level, uh, the profile that South Africa is getting, but as a local church, we are celebrating the power of God in our midst. And, and there's just, if you think of what's happening in our country, what we're celebrating, but that God is present and working powerfully in our midst, there is just so much that we get to be excited about, so much that we get to look forward to as a church. And I am incredibly excited the series that we're doing, what God is saying to us as a church, and now we're going into our Christmas season. It's even a better time of the year uh, where we get to celebrate what the birth of our son means. And so I want to ask a question. Uh, I, I should have mentioned, I'm doing two sermons this morning. This is my first one, and then I'm going to go into uh, the second one, which is part of our series. With what is happening in our midst, with what God is doing here, people were healed last week. The presence of God is in our midst. When people are thinking about hope, when people are asking questions about their lives and, and struggling for meaning and purpose, and God is here, and God is working, who needs to be here from your life? And I want to ask you guys a question. As we're going into this Christmas season, we're heading into a space where people ask even more questions about their life and their faith. While we are celebrating hope, we're going into one of the most lonely seasons in a person's life. And this is one of the most important moments for us to leverage that for the kingdom. I might say that this is a time when it's easiest to invite people in to what God is doing. And there are people in your life, people that you know, family, friends, colleagues, acquaintances, people that you see that uh, God can encounter because God is in our midst. We are experiencing as a church just unmerited favor, the hand of God on us. When we talk, uh, Steve and I sometimes we're going like, why is God working so powerfully? We, we can't put a, a finger on it except that God is just a good, gracious God and his hand is on us as a church. We're experiencing his favor. He's working. We're hearing the testimonies all the time of what God is doing. And so who do you need to invite into what God is doing here? We've got Christmas coming up. 
We've got a service on the 24th, 5 p.m. We're doing a Christmas Eve service, and we're doing a Christmas morning service at 8.30. The culture we live in is still a culture where people think about church on Sunday. We have people who have previous church experiences that know, hey, yes, we go to church on Christmas. Who are you going to invite into that? And if you think maybe that's a step too far for people that you know, on the 8th of December, we've got our Carol's Picnic. We're doing it a little bit differently this year. It's at the field, uh, at the berry farm. They've got a beautiful function venue there. Uh, it's beautifully set up. There's a bicycle course uh, for kids to ride on. Uh, there's jungle gyms. There's going to be food vendors. Uh, our music team that's going to do Carol's Oysters, just an incredible job. And we're going to be picnicking. What a great way to invite people into what God is doing in our midst. And so sermon number one, it's about to end. I want to just say to you as a a leader in this church, we are so aware of how active God is. And so I want to encourage you guys to think about and pray about bringing someone that you know needs to be hearing this, to be experiencing this into what God is doing, especially around this Christmas time, uh, while people are really thinking more uh, about the things of the Lord. Okay, and so you've got the app, there's images there, you can share, you've got the dates, you can start thinking, praying, and inviting people into what is happening. All right, I want to pray, and then we'll get into the second sermon for this morning. Father God, I'm so thankful that you are working God, I'm so thankful that so many people gathered here this morning have testimonies of your uh, work in their lives. And God, you're so good to us. And we are experiencing just your hand of blessing in such a unique way. And God, we don't want you to stop. We want you to continue to pour out your presence and your power in the way that you're doing it so more and more people can experience you as the one true living act of God who is good and is for us in every single way. And then God, as we get into the series that we're doing that we feel that you're speaking to us about, God, I know that there are many people whose hearts are torn. So many of us are asking questions about our life and our future. And God, I'm so thankful that your word speaks so clearly into that. And so God, I pray that all of us would just have a posture of our hearts being open and surrendered to you speaking into us this morning. In your holy name, amen. Right, guys, so we are uh, week two of a series that we are calling Hashtag Staying. And uh, we launched it last week, and what we said is this is not a series about immigration. But it's also not, not a series about immigration. You know, we are playing off of uh, this groundswell of positivity. Uh, You would have known of the Facebook group called Hashtag I'm Staying. Nearly a million people just sharing positive stories coming from everyday South Africa. Where we are confronted with so much negativity, there's a pushback. Where people are actually going, you know what? No. There is good in this country. There is good happening. Yes, there's a lot of negative. Yes, things are really difficult for a lot of people, but I'm choosing to also verbalize that which is positive. And so for that reason, I'm staying because this country is great. This country is beautiful. And I'm sure you've been in a conversation where you've been talking about the good stuff, but then somebody tries to push back with some negative stuff, right? We've got some people in our lives who go, but don't you know the crime? And we go, you know, and uh, people are going, yeah, but your kids and 
there's all this negativity that's still there. And there's kind of this polarizing where people are, are speaking about the positive and, and people still choosing to hold on to the negative. And so here's the first thing that I want to talk about this morning is the role that we play as believers on this earth. And so the question I want to ask is how does the story end? And when I say story, this life, this world that we are in right now, South Africa, and, and uh, people are going, oh, but this country, and uh, I, I know some people who are actually stockpiling uh, tinned stuff uh, back like people did in 1994, because there's people who are so concerned. Maybe you know someone who's kind of that negative that they're stockpiling stuff. But what is the role that we play? And when I ask the question, the story, how does the story end? And it's a bit of a trick question because what we understand as believers is the story doesn't end. What happens is it just transitions. This world that we know transitions into the future world that we hope for, which is the return of Jesus Christ who makes this earth and the heavens new. And so the end of the story for someone who has faith in Jesus Christ is that I spend eternity with Jesus on the new earth where there's no pain, no suffering, no hardship, no sin, no death. It is just perfection. The role that I play as a believer in South Africa today and going forward is to live with that hope as my reality. When somebody says, yo, but things are going to just end so badly for our country, we go, no, no, no. I'm sorry, do you know how the story ends? It ends with the return of Jesus and him making all things new. And so when we're thinking about the series, and this is what I'm saying, it's not about immigration. It is and it isn't because there's something more that we have to think about as believers. That question is such a surface level question for us. As believers, there's so much more that we think about. There's so much more that we have to do and play in this uh, crazy time that we're living in. And so this is why we're kind of speaking into this. It's because we live differently to the way people live who have not come to faith in Jesus Christ. Because we live with an undeniable hope that Jesus Christ is returning. And when he returns, he makes all things new. And so our hope is that we live in this temporary with the focus on the eternal. And this is a short time to the eternal uh, hope and life that Jesus is bringing for those who have faith and believe in him. And so this is what led us to then introduce this biblical theme of exiles. Because no place on this earth is our big H home. Every place is small H home. Because we look forward to a time when we live in our big H home. Eternity in the presence of our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. That's where we set our eyes and that's where we set our hope. Because no place on earth can fulfill that longing in us. So if you are thinking about going to another place... All you're actually doing is trading one set of problems for another. Because we take our brokenness with us. And we take our brokenness into a place that has people who are broken. And so no place on this planet is perfect. 
There might be places that your heart longs for. There might be places that refresh your soul, but none of those places are immune to your brokenness. You could be in the most beautiful location on earth and have a fight with your spouse. You could be in the most um, idyllic, relaxing place and your car can break down getting there. We're not immune to problems. And any place on this earth, we take that with us, which is why we long for our big H home. And that's why we live with that hope as believers. And so this theme of exiles is so dominant in Scripture. It starts with Adam and Eve. We know that they were in big H home, the Garden of Eden. They were living in perfection, living in the very presence of God. And because of their sin, uh, they were removed from the garden. They were told they could no longer be there. The way into the garden was blocked. And so Adam and Eve became the first exiles uh, on planet Earth. And so they left big H home. And humanity has been searching and longing ever since to go back there. Again, I come back to that's why we live in the hope of Jesus. Because from that moment, every single person has been living in a place that is not their big H home. It's been little H home. That paved the way uh, for us to understand the nation of Israel. Because God calls Abraham, he takes Abraham into a place and he says, this is going to be the place for your descendants. I'm going to create a place for them, called it the promised land. I will be their God, they will be my people. And through um, a course of events, the nation of Israel find themselves in big H home again. They're in the promised land, they set up as a kingdom. But because of their sin, that was taken away from them. And we shared with you last week that in uh, 532 BC, the nation of Babylon came in and wiped out Israel, taking a large number of people out of their home and into a new home, Babylon. And that is now where they found themselves as exiles, We'll get back to that in a moment. But again, the language continues uh, through to the New Testament. And up on the screen, you'll see 1 Peter 2 verse 11 becomes a theme in the New Testament as well. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that they that accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Because of the fact that we are uh, followers of Jesus Christ, that uh, we belong to the body of Christ, the church, the language of being a foreigner and a stranger in this world applies to us. Just as the nation of Israel now found themselves in the city of their enemies and their conquerors, so we find ourselves as strangers in this world. We're passing through. We're passing through. It's not home. And so we need to think through and have a look at what the Bible tells us, how to engage and live as exiles. No place is our home, but the one we long for. And so going back to Jeremiah 29, I want you to go there in your Bibles. God's people find themselves as exiles. They are captive and are living in the city of their enemies. I want you to just try and imagine how difficult that must be. What kind of emotions must have been stirred up for you 
being in a place and having to look every single day at the people who destroyed your home and have taken you as captives into this city. Now, Jeremiah, the author of this, was God's prophet, and he wrote a letter, penned a letter, to the people living in exile. So this is how God is speaking to his people in a foreign city, the city of their enemies, conquered, living in exile. And so we're going to be reading from verse 4 through to verse 7 this morning. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So, I don't know, growing up, if you remember having moments like this. you kind of getting ready to go to a friend's house, uh, maybe your grand's house, uh, an auntie and uncle, and your parents sit you down and give you the talk. All right, do not touch anything. Do not run in the house. You will eat all your vegetables. You will not fight with your sibling. You will be quiet. When How many of you have had that talk, or had that talk had done to you? Right. So you know the moment when you realize you are your parents? And uh, you sit your kids down and you have that conversation. Who's had that conversation with their kids? Right? I realized I had that moment. It's like, Aaron, you will eat with a knife and fork. And you, you know, and realizing how many like lists of don'ts that you kind of lay into your kids when you're about to go someplace that's not yours. You know, you might jump on the couch at home, but you will not jump on the couch at Auntie So-and-So's house. You know what's so interesting about this passage? is there's only one don't. Don't decrease. The rest of this passage is a whole list of do's. Now bear in mind, this is God speaking to his people who are in the town, the main city of their enemies. Just incredible to see how God speaks and instructs his people around what they must do. Look at it again. It's going to be up on the screen. Look at all the do's. Build houses. Settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and your daughters in marriage, uh, increase in number, seek the peace and prosperity of the city, uh, pray to the Lord because if it prospers, you prosper too. Just amazing the amount of do's that come in this passage. And ultimately, what's happening here is that God is instructing his people on how to bless the city of Babylon. Is how to be and bless the city of Babylon. Now I remember this because sometimes people give cities a bad rap. And I know that people give Johannesburg a really bad rap. 
And when we announced to our friends, some of you might not know uh, that my wife and I, we moved from Cape Town uh, nearly four years ago already uh, to the beautiful city of Johannesburg. But when we announced to everyone that we were leaving, people were really freaking out. Like, Craig, are you mad? Do you know what happens in Johannesburg? Are you really going to take your wife and children from Cape Town to Johannesburg? Do you know how ugly the city is? Do you know how dirty Johannesburg is? Do you know how dangerous Johannesburg is? Craig, have you experienced the traffic? Just wait till you experience the traffic in Johannesburg, Craig. Then, then you will see. And, 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 and cities can have this incredibly negative stigma. And people can speak so badly about the place that they live. And here God is changing the heart of his people. Here God's changing kind of the way they think about the city of their enemies. Make the city prosper. Seek the good and the well-being of the city of Babylon. Because if it prospers, you will prosper. So bless the city and you will be blessed. Enjoy life here. Seek peace. Seek prosperity. So I want you to write this question down. It's not going to be up on the screen. I want you to write this down to reflect on. And here's the question. Am I a blessing to the city of Johannesburg? This is not about you thinking about going or staying or right now today. Is the city of Johannesburg grateful that you are a citizen of it? Am I a blessing to the city of Johannesburg? So what I want to do for the remaining time is I want to take us through a bit of an acronym around the word bless. I want to try and get practical here because the instruction from the Lord to God's people in Babylon is very practical. There's a list of things that they must do. And I'm going to give us a list of things that we can do to bless Joburg. And I'm really trusting because some of you are hating me right now because you don't have a very positive feeling about our city. You don't think favorably. You don't, your heart doesn't kind of leap for joy when you think about Joburg. But I'm praying that God is going to do something in us this morning that we will shift to instead of being negative about Joburg, but move to a place where we are actively looking to bless the city. Because if Joburg prospers, we prosper. And so we should seek the peace and the prosperity of our city because that has a direct impact on us. So here we go. How do we bless Joburg and so be a blessing to our city? All right, the first one is begin with prayer, right? If you want to be a blessing, begin with prayer. Kind of the last bit in the instructions from Jeremiah is pray for your city. Again, just a rhetorical question, maybe something for you to think through is how often do you pray for Johannesburg? How often do we pray for our city? Now you might be thinking, you're correct, that is a daunting task. How do we pray for the beast that is Johannesburg. And if you think that's daunting, we just did a series on Jonah. And what happened in the city of Nineveh? A really lousy prophet preaches a five-word angry message, and everybody, and including the cattle, repents. 
So that should give you uh, a little bit more faith and hope in praying because you guys aren't angry, selfish prophets, right? And so imagine if all of us with joy and love and faith are praying for our city. And if God can use Jonah to see an entire city repent, surely we can have faith that God can move and act in Johannesburg. And here's maybe a myth that I kind of want to bust for us, is we have a very negative kind of mindset towards our leaders. Uh, Corruption is a big thing at the moment. And many of us feel so angry and disempowered by uh, the level of corruption that's going on. And so kind of what's happened is in our kind of subconscious and our conscience, we've kind of lost sight of the sovereignty of God over leadership in our country. But I want to draw your attention to a passage that we're not going to really dive into this morning, but Romans 13 verse 1, it says this, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. I know this confuses us because we go, why would God allow such corrupt leadership in so many countries? But what I do want to draw your attention to is this. Is God sovereign over our leaders in our country? Yes. Can I trust the greatest sovereignty of God in what's going on in my country? Yes. And so with that, uh, I can then go with a little bit more compassion, a little bit more faith, and actually pray for my leaders. I can pray for my government. I can pray for my city. I can pray that God would bless Joburg, that he would bless the economies, that he would bless industry, that he would bless the police station, he would bless municipalities. I can pray for them. One of the reasons I think we don't often pray so much is because we don't know the names of people who are leading our city. And so here's something I very practically want to encourage you to do. Find out the name of your ward counselor. Find out uh, the name of people who are making decisions for the suburbs and the areas that you are in, that you can pray very specifically for them. Uh, If you can, get hold of their numbers. Uh, I have my ward counselor um, in my context, uh, and she engages with me personally on a regular basis. And it's been great to actually get to know who is kind of in the leadership tiers of my community and to go to those meetings, uh, to go to uh, community forum meetings that are happening, to be present there and to be praying for those things. We can very much engage in this. I'm praying for our city. You've heard me mention this a few times. Johannesburg is literally the most important city on the face of the planet when it comes to the gospel. Because no city in the world has as many people groups from countries where it is illegal to be a Christian living here. If you take our CBD, 300 languages spoken. We have almost 31 uh, people groups from the 50 closed countries for the gospel living here. No country can boast uh, the gospel importance that Joburg has. Isn't that just incredible? And so instead of thinking about cities as where's the best place for me to live, I want to maybe pose this question, where's the most important place for me to live? And then because we are informed by the gospel, Joburg actually is possibly the most important place a believer can live because of the global implications of the gospel. 
Hashtag staying. Right. Begin with prayer. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our city. Pray for every aspect of um, things that you can think of. Pray that the Holy Spirit would lead you into who to pray for, how to pray for them. Learn names of our leaders that you can pray for them. Get their contact numbers and engage with them. Imagine the difference 300 Riversiders who are loving their city can make. All right, so the L is listen with care. This is something that I have been putting into practice and trying very hard to do. Uh, What are the two worst words that we use in our language at the moment? I'm busy and I'm in a rush. And uh, because of uh, the fact that we live in Johannesburg, everyone is in a rush, right? And everyone is busy. And because of that, we never have the time to listen to people around us. And we engage with so many people every single day. And if we just slow down a little bit and listen and talk to people uh, that we uh, interact with, incredible things happen. So I've been practicing this. I'd never want to preach a sermon uh, that I have not first kind of had the Lord do something in my life with. But I have been practicing trying to have conversations with petrol attendants, cashiers, and people around the the till points and shops. Uh, They are people that I can have conversations with on a regular basis. And I've been trying to slow down and listen and talk. Because, again, Jesus, if I follow him, Jesus had compassion for people. The dominant emotion of Jesus throughout his life and in the Gospels was Jesus acted with compassion. He was kind. Uh, The people and the lowly in society, Jesus had time for them. Jesus touched lepers. Uh, The people that no one would talk to, he would talk to. So uh, being a blessing to Joburg is kind of having an eye and an ear for those kind of people. And so talking to a lady the other day, and just chatting to her, really felt prompted to ask, listen, are you okay? To get the response, no, I'm not okay. And what an incredible moment to then remember that I have the hope of Jesus. And to be able to encourage people and to encourage this lady in checkers. And left with her smiling because I had been able to deposit something in her from a faith point of view. And I just really, again... 300 riversiders slowing down a little bit in public spaces and listening to people around them. What kind of an impact could that happen have in the south of Joburg? Especially because we carry the hope of Jesus, being kind, uh, compassionate, asking questions. How are you today? Hey, is, have you had a good week? If I was to pray for you, what could I pray for? And then you try and look out for that person again, and try and remember their name, and go, hey, so-and-so, I prayed for you. How's your week going? Has there been improvements? Imagine what could happen with that. All right, so listen with care. E is one of our favorite things as South Africans, is eat together. Have you ever come away from sharing a meal with someone and a friendship not developing? One of the best ways to love on someone, to enjoy company, to practice hospitality is eating. We do this well as South Africans, right? And it's really easy to do this. 
But getting a bit personal and practical is this is not just your best friends. We do that well with our best friends, right? We have our, our close people in our homes on a regular basis. Uh, we have our family over on a regular basis. But this is shifting it a little bit to people who are not like you, to people who you don't know so well. Maybe it's your neighbor. How many of you are on a community WhatsApp group? Okay, some of you are lying. All right, those are pains, right? Most of us are on some community WhatsApp group or some place where there's people whose numbers that you have that you've talked to but you've never met personally. So here's also a challenge on being a blessing to your community is invite someone from one of your community, parents, whatever WhatsApp groups uh, to your home for a meal to get to know them better. Wouldn't that be uh, something? Uh, Just an incredible opportunity because eating together breaks down so many barriers. Eating together allows for so much space to talk and to get to know people. You want to be a blessing to your city. Eat with people and especially eat with people who are not like you. Right, S, first one, is serve in love. Serve the city of Johannesburg. By being human, we are really inherently selfish, right? And again, with the rushing and the busyness of life, we never have time to serve. And this is incredible because, again, Jesus served. Uh, Jesus, again, was kind, compassionate. He engaged. He touched the, the lowest of the low, uh, the kind of the people who needed it the most. And I know we are busy. I know life is hard and complex, But one of the biggest ways that we can make an impact in Johannesburg is to find ways to serve. You can do that uh, through Branch Out. And I actually want to take a moment to plug that because we are creating a vehicle in our church whose sole aim is to engage with issues of community justice. We support our partner organizations, uh, incredible people who run incredible organizations who are on the battle lines, the front of the battle with the most needy in our communities. Right now, we are in the middle of a campaign where we are just simply collecting food. If you go, oh, serving my city, how do I do that? Bring some baked beans next week and put it on the table. It's as simple an act as that. By going and spending a little bit of extra money, uh, maybe skip Seattle or Mug and Bean uh, and your 30 Rand coffee and uh, buying some extra tin stuff and dropping it off so it can be distributed to people who are really engaged in the battle. That's serving our city. Getting involved in our dignity days. Man, if you don't know what those are, we have got um, a group of ladies headed up by by, uh, Melanie Williams uh, who is taking um, reusable sanitary pads to girls in our community. We've got about eight days lined up because we've raised enough money to do that. That's serving a real need in our city. I mean, I was thinking about this bread tags, right? You think those things that hold your bread together is uh, something as simple as that. We collect them, and uh, it then goes to making wheelchairs for people who don't uh, have wheelchairs. I mean, there are so many little micro things that we can do, but the groundswell of all of us thinking differently about our city can have such an impact that bread tags translates to wheelchairs. 
tins translate to organizations being able to feed the people that they take care of. Uh, giving up a Saturday uh, every few months means I'm teaching young girls about hygiene and are giving them reusable sanitary pads so they don't have to miss school. I mean, little things like that make a difference in our city. Picking up rubbish that you see just keeps our city cleaner. Those little things make a huge, huge difference. If we serve in love, you know the, the, the classic story about the person who's walking on the beach with all the starfish that have been washed up, and they're throwing the starfish, and the person says, what are you doing? You, you're not going to save all these starfish. And the person picks up the starfish and throws it back in, and it goes, well, I've just saved that one. And so they continue. In this kind of behavior, the sum of the parts affect the whole. Well, I can't do much. Of course you can. Of course you can. Especially if we all shift our hearts and our minds. The final S is very, very important. It stands for share your story. And this I'm primarily speaking to those of us gathered here this morning who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making this appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Believers, we come with a greater responsibility to whatever city we find ourselves in. Again, this is not about immigration. This isn't about staying or going. It's not about uh, whether Canada is better or Sydney or, or Cape Town or the UK. It's about us being the ambassadors of Jesus Christ wherever we go. This is about us walking out of here and carrying with us the message of reconciliation because if we have come to faith in Jesus Christ, we were enemies of Jesus. And Jesus Christ, through his work and serving us in love on the cross, reconciled us to the Father where we're no longer enemies but adopted sons and daughters of God. And our eternal hope is our lived reality every single day. And that is what we are called to live out every single day. When you leave this place, you're leaving as a commissioned ambassador of Jesus Christ. I love that phrase. It's as if he's making the appeal through us. We pray for Joburg to come to faith in Jesus Christ. How is Joburg going to come to faith in Jesus Christ? Through us. Through us. We are the ministers of reconciliation. Right? Far better than having the position of minister of sports. Right? And minister of uh, 
kind of police or kind of cultural affairs. We are the ministers of reconciliation. We hold that position and we carry with us the work of Jesus Christ. And so this is the final S. If you want to bless Joburg, share your story. And those words are important because we think, you you know, how am I supposed to tell someone about Jesus? How did you come to know about Jesus? How has Jesus changed your life? How do you enjoy living in relationship with Jesus? That's your story. That's the story you can share. Especially when there are 31 people groups from countries where it is illegal to be a Christian. They oppress Christianity violently. When there are 300 languages spoken in our city, we can share our story with such great effects that can have global implications. And I love how important Johannesburg is. So again, this is what I'm trusting this morning is that you would be thinking differently about where you live right now. Regardless of whether you're thinking of staying or thinking of going. Because wherever you find yourself in, it's not your home, and you're called to bless that place. You're called to bless whatever city you find yourself in. And you're still in Joburg, Riverside. And so we're called to bless Joburg. We begin with prayer. We listen with care. We're encouraged to eat with people. We serve in love. And we are the ministers of reconciliation. We carry the message of Christ. He's making the appeal through us. So we share our story. And it starts with us. And I always talk about this. My goal is to be the best version of myself. And I'm trusting that God is going to transform me more and more into his glory, that he's going to equip me and empower me more for the task that I have. So it begins with me. It begins with my streets, my workplace, my school, my varsity, my friends, the public. And again, I don't want you to write this off by going, I can't make a difference. How am I supposed to do this? If every single one of us commits to trusting God to change our hearts towards our city, and to making small steps towards seeing Joburg prosper, we are going to bless our city. This is about the sum of the parts, the groundswell of that. We're going to go into a time of communi- communi- communion now. Thanks, Daryl. Right, your, uh, this is Philippians 2. Speaking about Jesus, such a, a beautiful passage. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form, and in human form he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on the cross. Because of this God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him the name that is above every other name. And so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's our reality. And this is our joy. 
And we're going to go and head to uh, the table now where we remember and celebrate Jesus' body being broken for us and his blood being poured out in the forgiveness of sins, symbolizing the new covenant that we have in him by his grace. And I want you to do some things before you get to the table. Music will be playing and you're invited to when you're ready to come and take and participate in this. Use the first few moments as a time of repentance. Maybe you have been angry around what's going on. Maybe you're one of those people who who say, I hate Joburg, I wanna leave. Before you get to the leaving part, say, God, change my heart because I wanna love the city like you love the city. I wanna feel what you feel for people around me. And so God, I repent of my anger I repent of my frustration. I repent of not being what you have called me to be to the city, which is someone who blesses it. And so then then think about what God has done in dying for every person in Johannesburg. Right, he loves them and so died for them. And so as we take communion, think about that, what he's done in your own life and the implications of that for everyone around us. Jesus, I'm so thankful for you, my gracious Savior. Thank you that you died for me while I was your enemy. Thank you that you have reconciled yourself to me. And thank you that you have called me to something so much greater than myself. And that is to live as a blessing to everyone who is around me, to live in such a way that I am a blessing to people and I'm a blessing to my city. Jesus, I'm thankful that you love the city of Joburg. I'm thankful that you died for its inhabitants and that your desire is to see everyone in Johannesburg come to faith in you. Jesus, thank you for establishing Riverside Church, that we have a role to play in your redemptive story of Johannesburg. I want to pray for people this morning who are really struggling with living here. I know that people have been victims of crime. They've been victims of just some of the darker aspects of our city. And so their hearts are hurt. Their hearts are hard. They live in fear and they're not uh, enjoying life. Maybe in a moment of vulnerability, I want you to do this. If you are struggling because of something that has happened to you in the city and you're saying, God, I want healing and I want you to change my heart to have more of your heart for the city, why don't you just in surrender, just raise your hand to say, God, that's me. I'm hurting, I'm frustrated, I'm struggling. I want you to change my heart. Father God, for those people who are raising their hands in vulnerability this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would change their hearts. God, that you would heal them of their hurts, that you would heal them of their anger. Holy Spirit, that you bring change and change that heart of hardness, uh, that heart of anger, and bring a heart of joy. Bring a heart of peace. And God, I pray that you would give them eyes to see the city as you see the city one of potential, one of hope. Jesus, I pray that you would really heal by your spirits. I specifically want to pray for people who live in fear. 
Jesus, I pray that you would uh, bring a renewed sense of your sovereignty as creator God and that they would know that they live in your peace and that they trust you every single day for their livelihoods and their personal safety. Thank you so much, Jesus, for who you are, what we get to celebrate this morning. Again, Jesus, we are just so grateful that your hand is on us as a church, that you are working, that you are speaking to people, that people are trusting you with their fears, their concerns, and being vulnerable with you, and that you are changing lives and hearts. Thank you so much for that. In your holy name, amen.